Grumpy Old Geeks, a weekly talk show hosted by Brian and Jason, discussing the finer points of what went wrong on the internet and who's to blame. Let's get started. How about that smooth new intro? Who was that hot chick? Ah, that that would be Helen, I believe. <laughs> At least that's her nom de plume. That's the nom de plume. Yeah, we got uh, we got some new audio, which is kind of nice. We're going to start making some changes uh, with the way that we do things around here. Um, I have a little bit of a rant about this, actually. But uh, oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> but uh, first, <laughs> why don't we give a shout out to to our wonderful job done by by our previous audio guy, Mister Bob Fogarty, who kicked ass. Yes, thank you very much, Robert. We appreciate your uh, service very much. Yes. Yeah, if you want to find more about Robert, uh, you can go to his website where he puts his writing up at Robert Glenn with one N, Fogarty.com. And you can also check him out over at LockerGnome.com where he's uh, one of the big editors and he writes quite a bit over there too. That's right. Uh, go check him out. And thanks again for doing all that. We wanted to use him again, but uh, due to various complications involving time and equipment and distance and all of that sort of thing, uh, that didn't work out. So we ended up just kind of finding a, a venue online. Now, I have a rant about this because – that was not our first choice. Um, you know, we're, we're still in, in a, you know, nobody is really saying it anymore. For some reason, we've stopped talking about the fact that we're kind of still in a recession and there's still not a lot of work out there and there's still not a lot of money out there unless you're one of these people that come up with these ridiculous concepts like yo and get a bunch of venture funding and then you're sitting pretty for a long time and you sell it off to Google or Facebook and you make a couple gazillion dollars and your stupid product eventually just goes away and disappears. You're doing okay for money, but a lot of people aren't. And uh, in particular here in L.A., where a lot of my friends are in the entertainment industry, I did reach out to some people who do things like voiceovers professionally for a living. And, uh, you know, it's just we didn't have that much money to kick around and and they're professionals and they're busy and they're actually working. Uh, But there are plenty of people here that are actors and um, specifically that even want to get into voiceover that that I know tangentially. And I reached out to them and I said, look, we've we've got a little bit of money. It's going to take you 10 minutes, a couple lines come and do it. And none of them did. And it's just like, I don't understand the complaining about not having work. You have to say yes to things. Well, definitely. Yeah. (laughs) And and this wasn't even a freebie. We were going to pay these people, but it was always like, well, I don't have equipment. Well, I'm sitting here in Santa Monica and I do come over for an hour. I'll even, I'll give you a Coke and we'll pay you (laughs) and just knock them out. I've got all the equipment right here. I'm an engineer. You don't even have to worry about that part. Come on over anytime you want and do it. And uh, all you got to do is sit down and speak, and we hand you cash, and you go home. Exactly. It's that easy. And and this is something that you want to do for a living, but you can't be bothered to do a job that just fell into your lap. So I'm, this is, it's a frustration for me that that's been around forever, but I think I'm seeing it way more and more. And it's one of the reasons that I've kept my person, my company, Slender Fungus, is just two people because I've tried to find contractors or even employees when I had a ton of work that were reliable and were self-starters and were motivated and wanted to do things. And it's so hard to find people. Oh, definitely. I, I burn through contractors like nobody's business. Nobody is detail oriented. I find no, nobody really is anymore. And it really just, it's, it's almost as if I felt like I would have had to take my entire rig with me, 
go to these people's houses, sit in the car outside waiting until I could see that they were actually home and not doing their yoga or sitting around at Earth Cafe <laughs> having an $18 latte while they're still complaining about not having any money or any work, ambush them, strap them down, make them do the work, and then force them to take a paycheck. That, that's what it felt like. And you can't do that in this world. You've got to take the jobs. <laughs> Every single person that writes me, to my company and says, you know, I'm interested in having something, I follow up with them. There is not a single time I don't return an email or a phone call. You need to hustle. Yeah, you got to hustle. Yeah. That's, that's- if, if somebody is offering to pay you for something, follow up. <laughs> Definitely. So we ended up saving a few bucks yeah. by uh, we, going, we paid, going online. We paid yeah. less. We outsourced to probably India with a really good uh, <laughs> with a really good English accent. No, they're they're actually in London. Yeah. I had to deal with the time difference, but they were they were a fantastic company. Mm-hmm. And I took the extra money and I got some acoustic foam for my little studio here. So this will be this will be officially the last money that I put into this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, because I think yeah, you've done enough, man. Work work has completely dried up. Um, I, that was like half a month's rent that I that I blew on this, but it was worth it because I enjoy doing the show and I want it to be, you know, I want it to sound good. So it was worth it for me to uh, drop the coin, as it were. But yeah, <laughs> and I, and I'm happy with our results. You know, yeah. you didn't have to follow up with anybody. I I sent a couple of emails and boom, Bob's yep. your uncle. There you go. And, Just uh, not your voiceover guy anymore. <laughs> no, no. So they, yeah, very funny. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I mean, the moral of that story there is, uh, if you want work, get it. It's there. You just got to get off your ass. Yeah. You, you, I mean, it's on a silver platter, seriously. Mm-hmm. And we would have given them you know, much more money than we ended up spending. So all in all, hey, it worked out for us. But you know what? They're going to be down a couple lattes at the end of the month. So there That's you go. Right. There you go. So you're pissed off at the grommet. Yeah. Last week I endorsed them. And now this week I have to revoke my endorsement. It's, <laughs> it's so annoying. I got my daily email from them. Yeah. And they're – the product that they were pimping that day was called the Fly Baby. Oh boy! And here's here's what we have here. Anyone, this is from Jason from Fly Baby. Anyone who has traveled with a baby on an airplane knows how difficult it almost always can be. True. Most of us have even thought, if only I had a place I could lay my child down, it would be so much easier. Dear Jason, how about your goddamn car, you asshole? Put <laughs> bringing your babies on a plane. And it, coming up with these ridiculous products, here's what this product is. It's basically a sling slash hammock for your infant. Mm-hmm. So you wrap the – you pull down your, your tray, your tray table, wrap some straps around it, put it back up, then put your baby in it and hang your baby from the person's seat in front of you. I am just looking at the photo and I can see a lot of babies bashed heads and lawsuits. Oh, I hope so. So here, here's I, my, I would never use. I do not have a child yet. Full disclosure. Um, I'm sure flying with children sucks. You don't have a choice, Jason. You cannot ban them. Although I've always said there should be, you know, like <laughs> there should be baby and non-baby flights. I'd be okay with that. And there t- really technically are. If you fly in the morning, chances are you're going to have some babies. If you fly late at night, you're pretty much scot free. Um, this is the dumbest product I've ever seen. So selling gear specifically designed to annoy a person on a flight so that another person can be more comfortable is utterly unacceptable. I'm grinding my teeth here. Uh, like a baby on a plane isn't already like just a crime against humanity. Yeah, no, I know. They have to fly. Well, first off, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't even notice that this person had it on the back of my seat because I would not turn around and look. Um, I do move my seat around when I fly. I'm sorry. It's, it's uncomfortable. So I go up. I go down. I, you know, I move it. And every time I move this thing, it's going to piss off the parents and, like I said, 
potentially hit the baby's head. Uh, this is this is not wise, but uh, you know. But it's also going to be jerking your seat. But that's but, my that's the problem I have with it. I mean, it's bad enough when these little kids are kicking your seat. Yeah, you can at least turn around and like like glare at the parents or spill your coffee on the kid, which you know is an acceptable form of retribution, I believe. Yeah. But well, I, I this, agree. It's like a this is a device that's going to, going to specifically screw up your flight. This is you a, know? this is an extremely horrible idea. The best thing I have ever heard in my entire life about this, and I can't remember anymore if this is actually somebody I know that told me, or this is just a story that went around the internet. But uh, some parents were flying with their kid, and their kid they knew was going to act up a little bit, their baby. And uh, what they did is they came on board with goodie bags to for like the fifteen seats right around them. Little chocolate bars, a little note saying, I'm very sorry, you know, we've been having issues with our baby recently. We understand that this is going to be horrible for you. We just tried to make your flight, your experience a little bit better. We'll do the best we can. You know, some candies and all that sort of stuff. Now, that's the way you do it. Yeah, seriously, bribe them. Yeah, bribe the people around. Buy them drinks. Yeah, a couple of little bottles of scotch in there. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, this is a horrible idea. But um, are you throwing the baby out with the bathwater here? Is all of the grommet bad, or just this particular one thing has annoyed you so much to hell with them? To hell with them. Okay. If, they're going, if they're going to put this kind of crap out there, I don't want to have anything to do with them. <laughs> all right. Fly, fly baby, no. Die baby, yes. Oh, boy. That's all I got to say. <laughs> nice. So last week, I was really pissed off at Dr. Oz. And uh, I'm happy to say I beat John Oliver to the punch, although he did put together a much better and very awesome 16-minute rant about it. So we we actually missed a week with uh, John Oliver, who did not have a rant that went viral. Uh, He did again, and it's all about Dr. Oz and how much he sucks, and it's awesome. It is so awesome. He did did a way better job than we did. Of course he did. He has writers. He's got a a staff and a paycheck. Yeah. So I'm going to link to a, a pretty good piece in Salon about how he's basically taken over uh, – what they call him? The Sheriff of Cable News. <laughs> so it's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. I mean I'm really uh, – I wasn't I wasn't on board with the show at first, but I've come around to it, especially now that he's kind of centered on this like – basically half of his show is a rant now. He builds the entire show around a 15-minute rant. So it's pretty good. And, and he always has an epic ending, like Steve Buscemi tap dancing. What the hell? <laughs> what the hell was that? Yeah. I loves me some Steve Buscemi, but that was just random. That was <laughs> totally random. Yeah, it's really good stuff. I, I, I'm really enjoying the show. Um, I just actually a follow up kind of popped into my mind about what I was saying a little bit earlier about how you have to kind of grab the bull by the horns. There, there, there's also going a little bit too far because <laughs> I've had this happen to me uh, just this week, actually a couple times. As, as I just mentioned, I don't say no to work. Uh, if somebody writes me, if some you know baby band out there is like, I, I really want to kind of kick my stuff up to the next level. I'm really you know we're going to try to do it. And I'm super. Ha- First off, I'm really happy that there are people out there still trying to make music. I don't know if it's just because they're stupid um, or they're just <laughs> passionate. <laughs> I, you I just pre- call your clients stupid. I, no, I, you know I'm just you know the dream of the rock musician. Uh, what what got the Ramones in the basement practicing and all that sort of stuff. The money and the girls and the crazy is that's all gone so it takes a, a hopefully passion if not most likely stupidity to kind of slave away at it and still think that you're going to have a chance and it's going to be awesome uh but good for the people that are doing it that are kicking it ass and and just really going for it and writing and recording and happy to do music um and even better that that you found my company and that you think that we do a very good job at what we do and you'd want us to work for you that that's great that makes me happy I'm happy for you guys. I love getting the emails, and I'm always responding, always. But uh, I, 
just so you know, you know, when I get an email, I Google you. I, I go, I go look and see what you guys are up to, where you're at, what your music sounds like. So you don't have to send an MP3. Um, and it's certainly by the time that we've gotten to the point that I've responded to you and we've maybe even had a phone conversation and we've maybe even set up kind of a basic budget and, and, uh, you know, you've got your flow chart of what we'll do for you. Stop sending me MP3s that are hot off the presses. <laughs> send me che- send you checks. Send not me MP3s. a check. Yes, <laughs> but but my job. I'm not a record label. Uh, my job is not to vet your music. I'm not your manager. We've established the parameters of what our relationship is, which is I'm going to help you out online and come up with a policy and plan for you. Just stop. There's too eager. I don't want an email from you every day with your latest MP3. I will hear your music and I will listen to it. And I'm certainly not going to listen to it until I've getting paid. So send the check first. <laughs> Cause yeah, it, it honestly, it has no bearing whatsoever on, on no. the job that you will do for the, them. The, the reality is I could, I can do what I do. If you were a shoe, much less a band, <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. My job is to promote and sell things online. Now. Yes, I can get passionate about it. And I, I love it when I'm passionate about the bands or entities that I work for. That is a super huge bonus, but it is not required. <laughs> because you are basically just a whore. Exactly. Aren't we all? Uh, yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> Listen, that the dude at Burger King is not in love with the Whopper. But he's still going to make you a damn good Whopper. I don't think there is such a thing as a damn good Whopper. <laughs> there may be a tolerable Whopper. <laughs> but yeah. So, okay, speaking of work stuff, mm-hmm. I've been struggling with uh, input versus output. Right. Okay. Some mornings I get up, I pop on a podcast or start reading an article or a book, you know, if I'm in the mood. But that starts my day off on an input cycle, right? Mm-hmm. It's really, really difficult, I've found, to, to transition from input to output. That's, that's been my, my biggest problem lately because I'm doing a lot more research for this show and, and some other stuff that I've been doing. And I, I, I love doing research. I love doing it. You know what I hate doing? Hmm. PHP. <laughs> you hate doing the things that we actually really do get paid for. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> I've just found with age, I'm getting terrible at programming. So I'm trying to pivot, as the kids say today. Mm-hmm. But man, uh, I don't know how you – how do you do this day in, day out? Now, like see, how do you go from – like how do you structure your day to get the, your maximum output? You see, because I'm just having a really hard time with it. You've been exploring this and and – basically since we started this podcast and and I've basically kept my work routine exactly the same and I don't know if it's optimal but it certainly works for me uh I wake up in the morning I make my coffee I don't I don't even look at work stuff first because I I just I I used to do that I used to leap out of bed and I'd grab my phone and just see what my emails were that had come in through the night and I discovered that that just puts me in a horrible mood right away so I don't do <laughs> I don't do that anymore there is absolutely no work stuff Coffee has started, um, wander around the house a little bit, put on the Today Show so I can get upset at how stupid everybody is. Um, well, I won't be doing that, that's for sure. <laughs> Whatever. I just I, I used to watch that show because they had uh, – what's-her-face? Ann Curry, and I love Ann Curry. And I, I haven't uh, gotten over her, her being fired away and replaced with idiots, but uh, it doesn't matter. It's I, Nothing TV, pop culture, it's kind of how it infuses my brain, and I kind of know what's going on in the rest of the world, so I don't have to seek out that information or have it seep into me in other ways. I just get it over with early. I have coffee, I watch the Today Show, I know what's going on in the world. Done. Um, okay. And that's 35, 40 minutes that I'm up and awake, and I am not thinking or looking at work at all. And then I immediately go into an output cycle. 
I sit down at my desk. I go over all the emails. I find the ones that actually involve things that I need to do, action items, as it were, versus just respond to. So You, you prioritize your action items. I, I find things that actually need to be dealt with immediately or require actual work. And I also basically... Every day I have five or six things that I have to do every single day, no matter what, anyways, for various clients. And so basically I'll sit down for two hours and take care of all that. I will do the daily tasks that need to be done, and I will deal with the emails that came in or were like two days or whatever. It doesn't matter. I'll go through my email and take care of things that actually involve output. So okay, I, so you have like shorter throw projects, I think, don't you? Like mainly you're, you're doing – uh, updates here, one-off stuff there. Do you have any like longer-term projects I, that are I, like like a month long or two months long that you have to work on? I do because and that's 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 pretty much the bulk of my work is these longer throw projects. So it's like that. I know that I need to put in six hours of coding today. Like right. how to structure that? I and and still have time for input without it getting in the way. Unless I'm on a massive deadline, I will never dedicate that much time to something. That's just too much for one day for me. So, I mean, I can do it. If I have a deadline, then the day becomes basically that. But um, if the, then the deadline has to be immediate. But what I do is if I have the longer-term projects, I know I've got two weeks, say. So I can build in three-hour chunks every day, which I usually do at the end of the day for the longer-term projects. That's, that's like my three to six o'clock is I'll sit down and deal with something that's much, much bigger. And I cut myself off. I don't do what I used to do, which is what you and I both used to do, which is I'm going to stay up all night and get as much of this done as possible. No. So I, I do my two hours in the morning of, of work work, just dealing with daily smaller stuff. Then I take a break. I go do a bike ride. 45 minutes. I come okay, back. so basically you've got it down because you're, you're structured. Yeah, I, I you, chunk got everything structured. into structures. I break it up with exercise, and then I'll also break it up with I'll take a 30-minute break to surf around the web, find some stuff for our show, read a couple articles. And uh, and then I have a pretty hard out for work when I'm just like by between somewhere between 6 and 7, that's it for me. I am done. I am not going to work anymore. And that even includes, for the most part, uh, stuff for our show. Like at that point, I am no longer in work mode and I'm going to watch some TV or I'm going to read a book or I'm going to listen to some music. It's I cut myself off and have the evening off. And I think okay, that's super so. important for recharging and being ready the next day. So it's really just for me, it's a very rigid schedule. Okay. In which I switch things in between input and output and I break it up with physical activity breaks. Yeah, I think I just need to get down to the structured thing. Mm -hmm. I'm so used to just waking up, farting around for a couple hours, and sitting down to code, and then, ooh, look, squirrel, you know? Yeah. And it's also, I've got a, I've got a pinball arcade in the basement, which also is a bit of a distraction. You have a lot of distractions. You know? It's hard when yeah. you work from home, and for me, it's just been, it's the only reason I've been able to keep this going for 15 years now is my structure. And it really hasn't changed much. Yeah, I think I also have a problem with Parkinson's law. You know how the the task will expand to fit the time allotted to it. Yeah, that's that's dangerous, and that's why I mean, I it's really difficult. Like like you were saying, especially on a, on a larger project, when I'm working on something bigger from that three to six o'clock chunk, and I'm hitting six o'clock, and I know it's just like, all right, if I just put in forty five more minutes, I can fit out this whole other block, and it'll be done, and I can cross it off the list because the best thing in the world is crossing things off lists. But I've just gotten really disciplined about it and said, no, that, that I put in the three hours. I, I will pick this up again tomorrow at 3 p.m. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to bust out Fantastical and get back into it. Because <laughs> for a long time, what I would do is you know, do the trick where you write down everything that you need to get done the next day right before you go to bed. Yeah. That really helped. I don't know why I stopped doing that. See, hmm. there you go. 
Yeah, I got to get back into that. You just got to I mean, I personally don't I just have I have a my uh, what the hell? The, my moleskin and I've got uh, tasks written down daily that I know for the week that are coming up and on the side I just list a bunch of the longer term projects or even personal projects then you know, have to go get groceries, don't forget to pick up dry cleaning, that sort of stuff. I don't schedule things out anymore, but that's because I've got 15 years built in of me scheduling it. So I look at the list. I know what I can fit into the time chunks that I have set and that's how I do it. Okay, cool. I think we've bored the listeners to death at this point. So Probably. Let's, get, let's get back to something fun. Yo. Let's, talk, let's talk about yo again. <laughs> <laughs> the Verge put out a, a, an article that is called uh, <laughs> yo is going to change the way you use your phone. I'm sorry, but no, it's not. This is an article that is justifying the the existence of this idiotic app and it's it's a stretch you you said it's it's a stretch it's a complete and utter stretch it has nothing to do with yo maybe they could best case scenario is they could package and resell their engine the only only thing that i found even slightly plausible about in in that list of items that or i thought would oh yeah that's kind of cool was was the whole restaurant thing where you you know you check in and instead of handing you those stupid little things that they hand you that buzz in your pocket when your table's ready they every restaurant has its own app or they use an app like that so you just get a yo table's ready but here's the thing they're not even yeah, you can subscribe. What they're what they're proposing is you subscribe to your restaurant's Yo channel, mm-hmm. and they will just send you a Yo with no information. It's just Yo. Yeah, it's not like tables ready or you know it's going to be another fifteen minutes or anything like that. It's just it's it's dumb. I'm yeah. sorry, it's just dumb. They're trying to you know make a product around notifications, and every app already has notifications. Yeah, this is just it's it's another play, and it's it, it is justifying their million point one point two million dollar you know grab which is i mean it's really stupid everybody's already that i know has tried it sent a couple yo's deleted it and have moved on yeah i I don't know anybody that's that shark fin is just going faster and faster this app is dead in the water before these people can even write articles trying to get us into it i I barely made it into the water i got a toe (laughs) in and they got bitten bitten right off by that shark it was bad (laughs) it's a dumb app it's a dumb article read it if you want to laugh yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. Just to just to see how far they're trying to stretch credi- you know, credibility and credulity on on something that is so inherently dumb. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I don't know what to do about these people. I, I really don't. I'm going to send them a no. Yo, no. <laughs> well, it took them eight hours to make it, so you can probably whip that out. That's true. using using the new Swift language or whatever the hell. <laughs> so, so I want to put out a call for guests. It's been a while. That's true. So we're looking to get some guests on the show and uh, would love any listener recommendations or intros to cool people if you have somebody that you'd like to hear from and, you know, they can come on and they can grump out. Uh, I'd personally like to get Kevin Mitnick on. He follows me on Twitter, so I sent him a message, but nothing yet. Don't expect to hear anything from, from that avenue. Right. So anybody knows Kevin? Do, give it, do us a solid. Give us an intro. Love to have him on the show. He's got a new book coming out uh, that talks about anonymity. Uh, I think it's called The Art of Invisibility. It's coming out next year, and I'd love to chat with him about that because that's one of our topics that we you know, are deep into quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So, and anybody else that you know, you know, send them our way. You know, we'd, I love, think, uh, we'd love to chat. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think we should try to reach out to some of these authors that we've talked about that we've really liked because uh, they're writing, especially the ones that are writing within the genres of, of the internet and technology and whatnot. They're, they're, smaller, you know, they're smaller guys, they're authors, and they want to get the word out. So let's, let's give that a shot too. I'd love to talk to some of them. 
Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, if you have any ideas, uh, dear listeners, uh, drop us an email at podcast at grumpyoldgeeks.com and, you know, let's get the ball rolling. In the news. Guess who's buying Dropcam? <sighs> Nest slash Google. Yep. <laughs> Good guess. All right. Good guess. <laughs> Makes sense. $555 million. Seems a bit high, but whatever. Yeah, considering... I, 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 found I say that about everything, was, though, now. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's all... Uh, what? <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised it's not in the billions. Well, but if like, Yo is worth a million. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, Google just bought, like, a satellite network for only $500 million. The fact that you can buy a satellite network for $500 million <laughs> and you spend $555 million on a little plastic camera that goes in your house... Yeah. Something is skewed. But anyway, yeah. So now they'll be able to turn the temperature on and figure out where you're at in your home. And if you've got those little gadgets, they can tell when you come in and out of your home. Yeah, they just – it's that's it. <laughs> they know everything. <laughs> yeah, they, they do seem to. Uh, in related Nest News, they have announced a Nest developer program. Yeah, this is an interesting kind of shot across the bow to Apple because Apple mm-hmm. just came out with their home kit. And this just says that that Nest isn't going to play nice with them. You know, they're going to develop their own set of protocols for in-home automation, right. run by Google, of course, since it's Google. Google. Mm-hmm. So this is their version, and we'll see how that comes. You know, well, they, it's, it's it's exactly the same thing. It's it's a framework for home automation. They have a head start on Apple for sure, uh, and Nest for whatever reason has developed a really good brand name, and certainly their products look great. Uh, all of which we have not seen from Apple yet. Um, I'm really personally happy that they're not doing anything open source and they're keeping it in-house and building their own. I'm totally fine with that because eventually all of us are going to be using some sort of in-house system. It's going to happen, and I do not want it to be open source. I just don't. Uh, I know that the, out there are, are tons of proponents of open source out there that think open source is the only way to go. It's the future. It is everything. It is the pinnacle of human engineering and how everything should be done. No. Let me tell you why. There's this thing called WordPress that is open source. <laughs> and any of us that use WordPress over the lamentations of, of ourselves with our clients know that because it's open source, there are thousands of people, millions of people, nay, hundreds of millions of people out there pouring over that code all the time. And not all of them have your best intentions in mind. I do not want my house running on anything open source because that will be the day that somebody installs something as a backdoor and I come home and everybody's dead. <laughs> yeah, you don't need O-Days on your uh, heating and cooling, your HVAC system. No, you do so, not. <laughs> so yeah, and this comes into something that I've been dealing with. Which is I've got a WordPress install, lockdown, lockdown, tight as a drum. You, yeah, and you're one of the best people in the world at this, as far as I know. And you can't even lock this thing down. Every week, somebody's uploaded a backdoor. Every week, I've poured through all of the plugins that we're using, which is very minimal, super minimal set. Cannot figure out how he's doing it. Right. Every week. So, and I'm sure it's automated, <laughs> but I can't, you know, I can't figure out exactly how he's getting in. And this is just a, you know, a straight-up lockdown system. Fortunately, and if you have a WordPress install, make sure you do this. There, there's a way to run an htaccess file in your uploads, your WP, WP content slash uploads folder or anything under WP content, mm-hmm. theoretically, in different, different stages. But you can disallow PHP execution. As you should. 
which means that you know if somebody does upload a script using the internal WordPress mechanisms and it gets slotted into the normal upload space, they can't call it. Right. So there are a couple plugins that I use for this. I, I use an anti-malware scanner, which usually finds this every week. And I also use uh, Securi, S-U-C-U-R-I, which will give you a one-click hardening setup. So they also have like a firewall that you can pay for and have them monitor everything. I don't do that just because my clients don't want to pay for it, right. you know, yeah, and I'm yeah. not going to pay for it. So <laughs> I, so every week they pay me to go in and delete the bad scripts, <laughs> which yeah. I'll take. I'll take that. <laughs> but yeah, there's, I can't find this. I cannot find this problem. So this is like just a, a, one of those fun open source things. This guy probably has a WordPress O'Day and he's running it every week on God knows how many systems. I have found this, I have found the same malware on four different systems that are completely separate, different clients, right. nothing in common. So this is – it's probably an automated attack and uh, I'll put a link in the show notes to the two uh, security things that I think everybody should use right out of the gate. Yeah. And you, you just have to and, and run it minimum once a week. I run it every two or three days just to make sure. Mm-hmm. But it keeps getting through. Yeah. You know? yeah. They can't do anything with it. But it gets through. No, and, I, I had the same issue a while back with with one of my WordPress sites, which thankfully I'm not running anymore because it, for, it was also a target for whatever reason. Um, sometimes different sites or personalities are. And oh yeah, we, it, we won't mention the artist, but is that the one that you had me do the audit on? Yeah, yeah. And oh, that it, one was bad. And it would just it, as you, we would clear it out, you would lock everything down, and within three or four months, boom, it was back. Yeah, and they so, rooted your box on that too. That was a bad one. Yep, that was <laughs> bad. <laughs> Thank you, WordPress. Yeah, thanks, WordPress. Thanks, open source. And that's why I don't want my house running on open source. <laughs> now, here's, here's another fun one this week. Google launches new domain registration service. Mm-hmm. So they're going to go up against GoDaddy. Right. I personally am sticking with my beloved Hover. But <laughs> I, I think, you know, I'm on the fence about this because I, I'm trying to pull more stuff away from Google, not give them more. But yeah. What, and, and their carrot for this one is, you know, you get free uh, WordPress apps. I mean, not WordPress, uh, Google Apps. Google Apps. You know, like Gmail and all that good stuff. Which is kind of so. nice. Um, you know, I, I see this. This is, this is, there's not a lot of money in domain registration services. Almost none. There's Almost next to none. You have to, the only reason GoDaddy makes money is they basically control the fucking business stem to stern. And then, then they really only make money on their add-ons that they fucking put you through endlessly when you try to register a domain. Uh, this, is, uh, this is just a straight-up Google Play to control you from start to finish. You know, they want to, the the only reason they're doing this is they want to grab you right away to main registration and upsell you on everything else that they do. Yep, get you in, get you in young and control yeah. the entire pipeline. Exactly. So it makes total sense for Google. I get why they're doing it. Again, like we talked about a little bit last week, it's we're really down to Google, Facebook, Amazon, just battling to get supremacy and and control your experience start to finish. Yeah, I'm really surprised it took them this long. I am too. Actually, it's it's not a difficult thing to set up a domain registrar service. <laughs> No, not at all. So. I mean, it's it's just off the shelf, you know, OEM. Basically, you give give somebody a bunch of money, and then you get a license to sell domains. And it's yeah. I mean, hell, you could have done it with two cows for ages. That's most of uh, their revenue, I believe, because hovers hovers owned by two cows. But two cows was one of the biggest registrars, and still are, because they you know have just a program where you go in, you give them some money, and yeah. then you can sell domains. And they've got an API for everything. Uh, when we did, uh, what was it? Metblogs. I went. I worked with them using their blogging platform called Blogware, which they have since killed. Yeah. Thank God, it was terrible. <laughs> but I, I learned all of their backend systems then, just because I was, you know, integrating at an early stage with them. And it, yeah, basically, you can 
be a registrar right now. So it's it's surprising that Google has taken this long. Yeah, yeah, it is. And since it is Google Week, <laughs> <laughs> apparently yes. Oh, and Google I/O was this week their big developer conference, and talk about an interminable, interminable keynote. It was like three hours. <laughs> I mean, really, I only watched the nine-minute video that you sent me, and I thought that was way too long. That was interminable too. Yeah, <laughs> apparently they don't believe developers have to pee. So <laughs> maybe these guys didn't because they just had such uh, enjoyment. Of of all this stuff that I found so boring. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I, I'm super happy that there's an Android out there that that Google is doing the phone. That it's not just not just the iPhone out there because, as we all know, Microsoft. Once there is a dominant system out there, uh, there's not much call for innovation anymore. So we need some battles going on to keep to keep people on their toes. I, so I'm happy that there are people out there that are really happy with their open source phone. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not one of them. I'm not going to be using one anytime soon. I think they're fine. They're they're pretty. They do the same sort of stuff. It's it's not you know, it's tomato tomato whatever. Well, there's but, just so much damn malware on on the Google Play Store. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And even this is one that came up this week that I heard the way that they were doing the custom keyboards, you know, like Apple has just announced custom keyboards in iOS 8. Yeah. The old way in Android, and I don't know if they're fixing this or not, but it was just kind of a key logger that, you know, just <laughs> basically read all the keys and send them off to the server and yeah. do specific things. It was a, just a giant security hole, and I'm, hopefully they fix that. But, you know, that just kind of plays into how, like, Swiss cheesy it is just as a platform. Yeah, and it, we talked a long time ago about this as well, which is we don't really see under the hood that much anymore unless we want to pour through the open source code. It's it's not like they tell you that, that when you use those custom keyboards, all your information is being shipped off somewhere else. You don't think that. You, well, you and I would naturally assume, well, of course they wouldn't do anything that stupid, but they do. <laughs> they do. <laughs> so, so the yeah. next version of Android is, is Android L, which will be available in the fall. And they obviously didn't take a hint from the Super Bowl people who dropped the L because, you know, it's eh, a loser. Yeah, so. Android L sounds pretty stupid. The presentation, uh, so, like I said, I, I'm happy that they're there. I'm happy that they're standing up and basically going toe-to-toe with Apple on almost every feature or concept that they're rolling out. But uh, I just don't find it elegant. Um, and I just, the entire time I was watching that nine-minute thing, I just, I felt like I was watching an episode of Silicon Valley and, and it was Hooli giving their presentation. Yeah. These, these, guys, <laughs> these guys made horrible jokes. They take themselves so ridiculously seriously, cheering over the most lame implementations. I just, I was, I know. La- it, I was it, laughing. It, I was like, I can't believe this really exists. <laughs> I know it, it, it bordered bordered on parody for it, sure. It really did. But uh, and uh, Sundar yeah. Pichai, if that's how you pronounce his name, I could mm-hmm. barely understand him. Like there were there were times when I was just like, "Can we have subtitles, please?" <laughs> I just could not understand him. He got a lot of he got a lot of pop when he mentioned India, though. So there was a lot of Indian developers in the in the audience for sure. Shocking. I mean, so they've got Android Auto coming out, which you know, if you want to get your car hacked faster, go for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you don't. You really don't want your Google car running that. Now they, and they've got Google Fit. They've got a couple ugly watches that are out. Um, they've spent a lot of time talking about how you can just swipe. Everything yes. was swipe, 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 and then you swipe, and then you swipe, and then you swipe, and then Andy uses his phone, and he swipes, and it goes through his car, and then that gets swiped. 
I know, man. It was like, yeah, it's almost like trying to, like an old unlock code for Mortal Kombat to get all the fatalities. It's like up, up, down, left, right, right, up, A, B, A, B, circle, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Just watching him, like, swipe through it was like, I was getting dizzy. You're going to get carpal tunnel in your wrist from all the swiping. Yeah, <laughs> No. So I'm not into it. And they have their new uh, materials API, which is their whole new design aesthetic, mm-hmm. which is just – it looks like a kid's book. These things are getting so like blocky colored and simplified that it's just there's, – there's no soul in it yeah. at all. I mean they took, they took the Windows 8 design, which admittedly I thought was horrible, but uh, they've made it even worse. It's, ugh, it's just ugly. It's – I don't know how you can have something at google.com slash design and not have a, have a designer look at it and go, this looks like shit. <laughs> well, they did. <laughs> they, they have designers there. And one of my favorite designers on the planet works there now, Daniel Burka. Hmm. And I don't he, – he's probably rolling over going, what the hell are we doing? <laughs> you know, his designs always had soul. They were usable, yeah. beautiful. Yeah. You know? I mean just – if you're listening right now, bring up google.com slash design and just feel the life force drain out of you. Yeah, there's there's nothing there. Uh, hey, but it'll have 3D because pixels have height now. Oh, joy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, it, That's going to be some more coding crap we'll have to learn. No, it's Java, man. I'm not getting anywhere near that. <laughs> and the funny thing is somebody posted a picture a long time ago, not a long time ago, when, when uh, Windows 8 came out. Mm-hmm. And they put uh, the Metro interface side by side with AOL or it's AOL or Prodigy circa like 1992, and it looked identical. <laughs> just like we have, we have come full circle from shitty to shitty. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Another fun thing Google did this week, so mm-hmm. let's rag on them a little more. Okay. They dropped the profile photos and uh, Google Plus counts from any of the authorship blocks in search results. They made a big stink about how this was the new thing like way back and – we're going to have – it'll like up your authority and it'll have a picture so people will click on it more. And apparently they backtracked and said, "Yeah, you know, that's not working for us. Let's just pull it. I'm happy with that. I mean I just uh, – anything that lets them finally admit that Google Plus isn't working and maybe let that go die a slow death would be awesome with me. Oh, they're definitely pulling away from Google Plus. They're, going, they're changing that up massively. What they're going to do with it, who knows? I still like it. I go on there every other day and kind of browse around. I still post stuff there. Mm-hmm. I get – you know. I have almost 11,000 followers, and I maybe get a click or two out of it. So <laughs> I'll take a click or two. It's a click or two I didn't have before. So. Fair enough. Fair enough. And originally, that was the, the upside was you posted to Google+, and that would up your authority yeah. with your search results. And apparently, it's not working so well because nobody's using Google+. Yep, that is, that is gone. So good. Good, Google. That's smart. Get rid of it. Now, sadly, another thing that's gone, uh, Technorati, mm-hmm. my, my alma mater, quietly killed its once authoritative blog ranking system back in May. Right. Sad. This makes me very, very sad. I, I kind of knew it was gone. You know, nobody looked at it in ages, but I put so much work. All of us did. We, we busted our asses on that thing. That was my first startup, my first real, like, you know, in the trenches. I, f- I worked 40 days with no day off. We did all <laughs> sorts of fun stuff there. But it's it's gone now. Goodbye. All, all good Rest things go peace. away, Jason. All good things go away. I know this was uh, from There's, the next from the next web, and I do have. To, I'm very happy that they did mention that the blog claiming service was one of the things that died, and I wrote that back in the day. That was mine. That was my piece. Nice. One of my many pieces, but that's I, I wrote the original blog claiming service. I'm sure it was rewritten seven or eight times after I left, but that was my my one claim to fame. Well, there's only so much room on the internet, Jason, and Yo pushed you out. Yeah, fuck him. <laughs> and uh, speaking of getting pushed out, 
L.A. got pushed out of the bid for the George Lucas Museum. We won Chicago. <laughs> it's because they wanted an authentic Hoth environment. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> In my notes, I wrote down, we got the droids you're looking for, bitches. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, it's uh, what, it's Los Angeles. We can't keep work here because we, we, you know, we can't beat the tax breaks that other places are giving them and because we're stupid as a city. So I'm not surprised. I, I didn't know where they were going to put it here anyways. Um, and I originally thought it would be San Fran, not L.A., so, because he's well, yeah, there, so, Lucas. Yeah. But but guess where? He's also got a home here in Chicago. So ah, there you go. Yeah. So um, we went we went through nepotism and and you know pandering to the local politicians. I'm sure. Uh, yes, I'm sure there was a lot of that. There was a lot of Moss Eisley Cantina behavior going on. <laughs> hey, but you guys got a Lamborghini for a police car, and this is why we can't have nice things in LA. <laughs> Well, fortunately, you didn't have to pay for it. It was donated. But you have a Lamborghini Gallardo, which will not be on the road, but just uh, tooled around to charity events for some reason. How that's going to get people to give you more money for charity, I don't know. But I, I, you know, I I, melt it down and use it to fill in some of the fucking potholes in this city, you (laughs) assholes. I will have to say, you could actually use uh, Lamborghini on staff over there because if you are driving home like at two or three in the morning on any of the LA freeways, there's always somebody probably going about 140. That's true. Dr- drunk off their gourd. Uh, the scary, the scariest thing to do is be sober on New Year's Eve and drive on the freeways in Los Angeles. <laughs> it, it, it is the dance of the macabre out there. <laughs> it's like how many of these people are going to die before they get home. You know, it's just it's one of those things where we're in L.A. and we're not used to going more than 10 miles an hour ever. So once we can, we just go up batshit crazy. Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> so maybe they should get this Lamborghini on the road instead of uh, out pimping for cash. Security. Huh. Hey, let's stay on the Google train for a while. OK, why not? It's it's their week. So. Nest has apparently backtracked a little bit on what they said originally, saying that they weren't going to share any information with Google since they're a separate company. Well, turns out they're going to. And the one of the, the main guys, one of the co-founders of Nest basically says, yeah, we're not telling them anything they don't already know. So <laughs> this that, is true. That's, that, that's, their, that's their justification for it. They already and know. they know it already. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, that's kind of where we're at. It's a... Uh... It bothers the hell out of me, but uh, there's there's, there's no turning back. Well, it's very simple. Don't buy anything from Nest. Don't buy anything from Dropcam. Don't buy a car that Mm. has Android Auto. Right now, none of them do, so you're set there. None of of them have anything from Apple either, so (laughs) it's all just smoke and mirrors and vaporware. Yes. But we did have some good news this week from the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. You can't uh, have your cell phone searched if you're busted without a warrant. That's good. I like that. I'm down with that. Well, yeah, finally. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. It, it, yeah, the quote from – this is the best quote. Uh, the Justice Department in its Supreme Court brief said, cell phones are not materially different from wallets, purses, and address books. Chief Justice Roberts disagreed. That is like saying a ride on horseback is not materially indistinguishable from a flight to the moon. <laughs> well, technically, they're still both forms of transportation. Yeah, but they're a little different. <laughs> right. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, I agree. Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy about this. I mean, I don't think I, – I, I mean, I think you should need a warrant anyways for, for any of those items, much less a cell phone. So, it, yeah, it's good. I don't want my cell phone just grabbed for no reason if I get pulled over for a, fucking running a red anything. light or something or yeah. anything. It doesn't matter. 
I totally agree with this. So thank you, Supreme Court, for finally doing something right. We'll see how finally. long that we'll see how long that lasts. <laughs> yeah, and they 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 acknowledge that it's going to make it harder for law enforcement, and they're like, "Tough shit, get used to it." Yeah, you it's, know? yeah, it's it's your job. <laughs> you guys have had a, an easy enough run with their their stingrays and all the other crap that they do to us. So this at least gives us a little bit of protection. So speaking of that protection being taken away. Chicago streetlights are now collecting data not only on weather, but on how many people walk by, and they are monitoring cell phone signals to track where people are walking, which also, by the ruling, should be illegal. Well, it's all anonymized, and it's coming from Argon Labs. We they're all helping, know that when it's uh, – let's, let's take a page from Snapchat here. When they say anonymized <laughs> – <laughs> I don't know. I have faith, I, I have faith in Argon Labs to to do, at least be smart enough to do the right thing. It, of course, in the future, it could be turned on its head and used for law enforcement or who the hell knows. But they're saying that it's anonymized. All they're doing is tracking, you know, unique device identifiers. Which you know, okay, I've got a laptop, I've got an iPad, and I've got a cell phone. So am I now three people walking by, or do they average that based on people who don't have devices? You know, but it, it's mainly for like you know learning traffic pattern, like you know human traffic patterns. Yeah, which you know they're doing it mainly on Michigan Avenue, which is good because Michigan Avenue can be just a, a shit show yeah. half the time with too but, many people. The lights aren't the lights aren't programmed properly. You know, I we'll see. You. We'll see what it's for. We'll see. We'll see. But couldn't they accomplish the same? Okay, it's specifically there's there's an art, article discussing this on the Verge, which is a link that you threw in there, where uh, basically the city of London attempted to do the exact same thing. Now, if you've been to London any time in the last fifteen years, it's basically you're you're. You don't notice it because you just get used to it, but you're basically in a police state. There is never not cameras on you. You are being tracked everywhere you go through London. Everybody knows what's going on, and they even said you can't do this there. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> they said that's a little bit too far. Now, I, I agree with, with – the. I love the fact that they're going to make all the data public. I don't mind this as long as I am 100% ironclad guaranteed that is completely anonymized – and, but I don't think that they can do that, and I don't think it will be, and I think there's always ways to triangulate data and that sort of thing. And secondly, couldn't the same amount of information be gotten just by installing cameras, by CCTV and using some set of soft, software programs that is literally just tabulating bodies that pass by in time periods? Yeah, probably with facial recognition and, you know. Well, we just, don't even just, need just facial the, recognition. No, 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 just the fact that it, it can recognize that it's a face. Right. Not right. not whose face, but I'm right. saying that, okay, here right. is a face. <laughs> right. So Facebook so. will start checking me in automatically every time I walk past a certain <laughs> Oh, well, you know, that's coming. <laughs> I know. That's what worries me. It's always the slippery slope on these things. It's a, well, and it's a cool concept, th though. Yeah, when, here's, here's the thing. Remember, when they're talking about anonymized data, remember the, the big AOL kerfuffle a couple of years ago when they released you know millions of search records? Yeah. And Google released search records or Yahoo. There, there's a, been a bunch of anonymized dumps of millions of search records. And within minutes, people had, had reverse engineered who these people were because people like to search for themselves. Yes. So <laughs> It's not that because, <laughs> Yeah. Anonymized sometimes just isn't. <laughs> So here's a here's a big one. Uh, mm -hmm. Twenty six hundred, the Hacker Magazine. Yeah, I remember. They're that. getting they're getting shafted by their distributor, big time. All right. Uh, Source Interlink was their distributor, right? Mm -hmm. Source Interlink had two divisions: one that sold magazines, one that made magazines. <laughs> well, they decided to declare bankruptcy on half of the company. Okay. And not pay the people who they owed money to, and keep the other one going. And just put a new name on it and go with business as usual. Wow, they got some good corporate lawyers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Well, you might not want to do that to a hacker magazine <laughs> because they have raised the ire of the internet. And the new, the new uh, brand is 10, the entertainment network, I believe. The Enthusiast. The Enthusiast Network, sorry, yes. the Enthusiast Network. And man, just, just if you go through Twitter and read some of the replies, it is <laughs> hysterical. <laughs> so I don't know how it's going to play out, especially with Hope coming next week or in, in like two weeks. Mm-hmm. The big, you know, Hope 10, the big hacker convention, so, which I wish I could go to. Uh, the last time I went to Hope, it was a blast. I got to see Jello Biafra, basically goat see the entire audience, which was <laughs> left a uh, left a scar, I got to say, <laughs> left a mental scar. I'm sure it did, yep. Uh, fortunately, I had my camera down at that point. And I didn't get it on film. Oh, thank God. That's not going to be one of your photos of the day. <laughs> no, definitely. <laughs> I will not have Jello Biafra's taint on our website at any time whatsoever. Uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see because they, they're owed like $100,000. And for a small publisher – That's a lot. I mean it, well, and it's two issues that they, they're owed on, which is they only publish quarterly. So that's half a year's revenue. Yeah. You know? So they're going to fight tooth and nail. But th- to their credit, they're like, we're going to pay our bills. You know, Even if it takes us 10 years, we're not going to, to welsh on our responsibility to the people who – you know, are our contractors, which is, you know, it's a, it's a good, good way to go. Yeah. God bless ethical hackers. Yeah. No, these guys have been in business for a long time. I remember. I'm surprised. Well, actually I, the only reason I know they're still around is you and the various things that you've discussed about them, but uh, I'm good on them. And I, I read them religiously when I was a kid. Yeah. I, not so much anymore. Do I read them? I I don't anymore, but yeah. yeah, I've got a couple issues lying around and, you know, after being in the business, like some of the stuff that they have in the magazine isn't re- – it's kind of common knowledge at this <laughs> point. So I, I haven't seen anything that's really groundbreaking. Well, but the fact that they keep doing it, I mean that just could, could be because I've been doing this for so damn long. And the new, for the new kids, it might be great. Yeah, it might be. I mean that, that's just the nature of the world now though. I mean with, with, uh, with this inner tube stuff, there, there isn't really hidden knowledge anymore. It's, it's all out there. Yeah. They should just go digital. Uh, Straight totally. Digital. Yeah, it's, it's actually – Kind of ironic that they still do print. <laughs> oh, and they're like the number one magazine on uh, Amazon Kindle, which is right. where I got get my copies. So they are doing digital, but they should just kill the trees. Kill killing the trees. Yes, kill the print version. Move on. Yeah. <laughs> and get better uh, PHP editors in there because, man, some of the PHP code they post is just god-awful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Register Global's always off, people. Always. always. So we talked a long time ago about – this guy who was uh, getting hacked incessantly, mm-hmm. and he couldn't figure out how. And then he figured he, he, he you know, theorized that these computers were jumping the air gap yes. because with no network connections by using ultrasound yep. and the speakers talking to each other. Yeah. Google must have read the same articles because they're <laughs> going to be doing that with Chromecast. I don't like this. It's creepy. It's uh, this is I, I've enjoyed the Chromecast. Now I have Apple TV, and I use that more often because it's just it might. As we've talked about, I've kind of went Apple with my home infrastructure, and everything talks to each other, and it's great. I have a Chromecast. I got one for Christmas, and I like it. It's fun. It's it's super easy to use for some stuff. Um, it was great. I love the fact that it's only connected through my Wi-Fi network. I do not want it doing ultrasonic audio cues through my house. Hey, but you know it still requires a pin. They say. Uh huh. 
<laughs> no, there, there's going to be problems with this. Somebody's going to fi- somebody's going to figure out how to make it go the other way, you know, or something. Something's going to happen with it. No, I don't know the, what. I don't know what, but it's it's just one of those gaps that this is something that I, is I'm, frightening to me. I, I don't like it, and we we will discuss more about why I may not like it as soon as we get to the at the library section because I started reading one of the books that you just recommended. Okay, <laughs> so yeah. Um, this is one of those things where I don't know exactly what's wrong with it, but I have a gut feeling I, that something yeah. is, is ridiculously wrong with it, and it's going to be a problem. That's exactly where I'm at, too. I can't tell you why this is a bad idea, but I just know it's a bad idea. At the library. So I listed off a bunch of books last week that I was going to get to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> hey, World Cup time, man. Shit happens. Yeah, I haven't even been watching World Cup that much. Just... <laughs> You know that whole that whole balance thing we talked about at the beginning, right? Uh, skewed skewed somewhat more on the output instead of input. But <laughs> so this week I've got Robopocalypse, which uh, is a it's a couple years old, but it's by Daniel Wilson. Phenomenal book. It's kind of like in the World War Z vein, where it's you know different uh, points of view of the robot apocalypse, right? And it just follows – it's all written by one soldier who you get to know like as the book progresses. You get to know him better. Mm-hmm. But all in all, man, this book just had me from the get-go. It is a plausible take on a robot apocalypse. Uh, I picked it up um, two nights ago because uh, I had finished up uh, The Long Mars, which I'll talk about a little bit later. And um, and as I talked about with my schedule, I do need my reading time at night. It's it's how I, I relax. Um, I picked it up. I started reading it. I stayed up until 1 a.m. that night, which was a bad idea because I had a 9 a.m. World Cup game to wake up for. Um, and, <laughs> oh, the and important things in life. The important things in life. And then I did the same thing again last night, uh, which is, again, a bad idea because I have a 9 a.m podcast this morning uh i'm not able to stop reading it i'm really enjoying it um you're right it it feels like world war z which is another book that i really enjoyed um this one is also fantastically plausible and if you do remember um air gap that is how the uh the main uh guy escapes at the very beginning of the book the main uh robot so the intelligence basically. The main yeah. intelligence gets out through uh the stupid scientist brought his laptop and had him in a, you know, protected environment, but uh forgot about the high frequency audio signals that he was Actually, able to no, send no, out. no. He used the IR port. The, oh, IR, the IR port, port on the laptop. Right. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So total air gap. It was great. Um yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Can't wait to see that it ends. And uh you just informed me during the break that there is a sequel, so I'm very excited about that as well. Yes, the sequel is called Robogenesis. It just came out not too long ago, and that's how I found out about the original book. Corey Doctorow had posted about it on Boing Boing and had uh, raved about it. So it, it is, is it definitely a, is it a sequel or a prequel? Because Robogenesis sounds like it could be a prequel. I do believe it is a sequel. Okay. This is a, it's after uh, Robopocalypse takes Fantastic. place. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I can't recommend this enough. I mean, this is uh, if you. If you're into this sort of stuff that we're into, you're going to like this one a lot. It's and it's very well written for an author I'd never heard of. That's fantastic. No, it's extremely well written. Mm-hmm. It, it almost reminded me of uh, Suarez's first two books. Yeah, just just the quality of writing. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, I, my second book is kind of a self helpy book. Oh boy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Did you ever read uh, Stephen Pressfield's The War of Art? I did not. It is a, that is an amazing book, but it's a little frou frou woo woo for yeah, me. Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> so you can you can you lose about half that book. But this one is called Improv Wisdom: Don't Prepare, Just Show Up by Patricia Ryan Madsen. Fantastic book. I'm, I'm loving every second of it. I'm about seventy percent into I love it this, now. I love this concept because that's how I treat this podcast. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I noticed. <laughs> I've noticed. But it, it basically walks you through 10 improv principles that you can use in everyday life. Oh, that's good. I mean, that's cool. I like that sort of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I took an improv class way back in the day when I was in college, and I had a blast there, and I used a lot of those principles, you know, to this day. Yes, and. Yes, and. <laughs> so check it out. I mean, it's a short read. It's like 160 pages. Oh, you'll, you'll, you'll breeze cool. through it. Yeah, and it's just it's chock full of good stuff. Yeah. I'm really I'm really loving it. Oh. I, I did the same thing. I think I stayed up till two thirty in the morning the first night I got it reading it. <laughs> I will actually check that one out then because I'm I'm due for uh for some nonfiction too. But not necessarily self help, but whatever. I'll give this one a shot. Um, I finally finished the Long Mars. I, I really I could not put it down. Uh, I've I've screwed up my entire last two weeks in between being up at nine in the morning for games and staying up until one or two in the morning reading. Uh, I really really enjoyed it. The book itself maybe not, wasn't probably the strongest in the, in the three, but uh, the story is so damn good. And uh, as an ongoing saga, I just I need to know what's going to go on. I need to know what's going on in this world. Um, I felt that the ending was very abrupt. Um, and definitely open-ended, so hopefully, slash, obviously, there's another one coming. There's a lot of ideas that they haven't touched on. There's a few major plot twists that they brought up in this one that I don't feel that they resolved. My only fear is that this is a co-write between Stephen Baxter and Terry Pratchett. And as we know, Terry Pratchett is suffering from Alzheimer's and will not be writing too much longer. Um, Discworld is, is uh, one of both of our favorite series of all time. We probably read the last Discworld that we're going to get. I don't know if he's going to be able to do another one of these, but uh, as I said when I talked about it a little bit last week as I was just getting into the book, I don't feel that much Pratchett in it, and I kind of have a feeling that should Pratchett not be able to continue, Stephen Baxter can probably keep the series going by himself, which uh, would make me happy because I, I've really enjoyed this series. If they keep building this out and they do, or he does, say, nine, ten of them, and it becomes an epic series like Foundation or Dune, this could become that. Cool. I really, really like the first two, so I'm looking forward to uh, having some time to dig into this one for sure. Yeah. And it's, it's really kind of fun because uh, for me because I feel that this does have the potential because it's happening now. You know what I mean? Like, like as a kid, I discovered Dune, but that had already been written. I discovered Foundation. That had already been written. There were no new ones coming. They basically existed already as a complete gigantic work of fiction and and it's kind of nice to be kind of in on the ground floor on something that could easily become that which is fun for me <laughs> absolutely yeah no i'm i'm loving it as it comes out so i'll i'll keep adding these to the queue highly recommend it software apps and gadgets i didn't really have any new software this week what i know no no new apps no nothing <laughs> I was a bad boy. I was, I was still trying to muddle my way through two dots since they killed my hack. <laughs> Rat bastards. So I did find out something new, though, with the iOS 8 beta. Mm -hmm. So beta 2 came out. I, I did not install it. I'm <laughs> not going to install it until Smart. it's like beta 4 because <laughs> I do need my phone to work. And what I heard on the grapevine, though, mm -hmm. is that in iOS 8 now, the Apple podcast app is a required app. You can't delete it, and it comes built in. All right. For podcasters like us, that's fantastic. That is good news. So even though it is one of the most terrible apps I've ever used in my life, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I ran it for two weeks you know, just to get the hang of it so I know where everything's at and I can tell people how to use it. 
But my God, is it terrible. See, I don't have an issue with it. Uh, but then again, I don't listen to 10 gazillion podcasts. And, and I could see if you have a ton of things in there, it would be a really crappy app. But for me, especially because on my phone, I basically only listen to podcasts when I'm out on the bike riding. So I only have like four podcasts that I keep on my phone. The rest are all on my desktop computer. So for me, the app is fantastic. It's, it's super easy to use. It does exactly what I need it to do and nothing else which iTunes has never been able to do. Um, <laughs> it's, it's fine. <laughs> so I'm, I went back to downcast. That's my, if you're a power user, I listen to, I think I have 48 podcasts in my list. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, it's, it sorts the way it should sort when there's new episodes. It sorts, you know, you can set some sorting parameters, but on the, the built-in podcast app, man, I'd be scrolling, looking for stuff. There was no rhyme or reason to how it was ordered. Mm-hmm. It's a mess, total mess. So I dumped it. I spent three bucks on Downcast. Best three bucks of my life. Love it. And even with the new ones that are coming out for um, you know normal podcast subscribers, there's probably a couple of them now that are okay to use. But I would just say stick with Downcast. It's not the prettiest, but it is the most functional right. by far. Okay, fair enough. I'm excited about this this built in though for for us at least for our for our dear listeners because yes. we'll, uh, it'll all be so much easier for us and for them when when this comes out maybe yes um, <laughs> I've we'll unsurprisingly not found any new apps um, you know I, except for signing up for for Yo so I can get a Yo every time there's a goal in the World Cup I'm just kidding <laughs> I didn't do that um, I did finally though I well actually I, we talked about iPhone cases a while back and, and I'd totally forgotten that I had ordered one and this would be the place to talk about it I ordered the lunatic SMK5 seismic touch suspension frame for iPhone 5 um, <laughs> that's a mouthful it is a mouthful but it, the price was right because uh, a lot of the suggestions that you were giving me and a lot of the you know the best reviewed cases out there are like a hundred bucks and I'm like I'm not spending a hundred bucks on a case um, it's it's only what, what is it on Amazon right now it's 3339 its list price is 35 bucks um, it looks pretty groovy I have to say I do like the uh, the aesthetics of it because it's got this kind of honeycomb around the outside look, which feels sufficiently industrial and funky looking. It's bigger than I thought it would be um, a little heavier than I thought it would be. So it's a bit bulky, but I guess the point is that this is a touch suspension frame. So you can, you know, basically throw your phone on the ground and it'll survive. Um, and so I guess you get bulk with that. It's, it's too big for me, but um I, you know, the funny thing is I went without a case for like six months and I never dropped my phone, didn't do anything, not a scratch, not anything. Uh, I've had this for three weeks and I probably dropped my phone on a daily basis. <laughs> That's what happens. You forget, you know, <laughs> or you, that part of your brain says, oh, I don't have to worry about it anymore. So you, you yeah. know, you get sloppy. Yeah, it does the job. It looks kind of pretty. But even after three weeks, I'm starting like some of the plastic is starting to or the uh, rubber, I guess, is starting to kind of peel off on the side a little bit. So well, that's not is, good. No, but it's 30 bucks. So I guess I got what I'm going to get out of it and I'll probably use it for another six months and then I'll try something else again. Yeah. I gave away my glyph case to uh, my roommate, which it was a fantastic case, but I bought that all clip case with mm-hmm. the, uh, the sliding top mount for the camera. So you can put their lenses on it and it acts right. as a shutter button. Yeah. Love it so far. And I, st- and I barely use the lens thing anymore, but <laughs> as a case, it still works. I like it. Hasn't, hasn't scratched up. Sits nice. I, I'm sticking with it. Cool. Yeah. Well, I like mine. It's called Lunatic. There will be links in the show notes. Media Candy. Listicle of the week. Oh, shoot me now. 
<laughs> I, I stumbled across this one. It's actually been out for a little while, but I just thought it was kind of funny. Uh, the 15 most hated bands of the last 30 years. Uh, link is in the show notes. I'm proud to say I've only worked with one of them. But they took it up the ass pretty hard in this listicle. <laughs> so uh, who, who, who would this be? Um, I, I Well... I've worked with the Goo Dolls uh, in the past, and they're still quite good friends of mine, but they get name-checked multiple times on this list. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's a very funny list, and actually most of these bands I, I almost almost entirely agree with because I can't stand a lot of them. But uh, hey, it's music, and they made a lot more money than any of us. That's true. So, That's true. So they can laugh their way all to the bank uh, while they just get shit on relentlessly in this article very funny though um i loved it and i like having nickel back first <laughs> definitely <laughs> never a fan no never a fan so i want to do a little follow-up on the will wheaton project that we talked about oh god what before it came out we and did you, yeah you you you're not a fan i i see i i watched two episodes but i'll, I'll let you talk about it first <laughs> i love it i have i am excited now when it shows up on the dvr okay. you know i some of the jokes are kind of corny. Some? Most of the jokes are kind of corny. Uh, some of the bits, though, are hilarious, like the stoned uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. That was funny. That was funny. They had, they had Hodor on. There was a ton of stuff on there. It's, I, I find it, it's a nice little popcorn show. I uh, really like it. I, I can definitely see that. I, I, I enjoy the fact that there is something. First off, I, I, I like the fact that Will Wheaton has something. Because I think he's a great guy, he's uh, really funny, and he has definitely carried the torch for for geekdom being a good thing. And he's a super cool guy, and he's always like, every time he goes to a comic con, he is like all about women's rights, and like you know, it's all about like do what makes you feel good, and to hell with everyone else, and be into what you're into, and to hell with everyone else. And I love that. And he's a great guy. Highly recommend reading his blog. I always like what he writes about. Um, how, how come do I sense a butt coming? <laughs> there is a butt coming. Uh, the show's not for me. Let's just put it that way. I think, on the one hand, I'm burnt out on the format of of you know the whole uh, what the daily soup, um, talk all the soup. talk soup, whatever that that entire format of guy standing no, in front of no a, soup for you, no soup for you, guy standing in front of a TV screen and having a bunch of mediocre jokes that they have to shit out all the time. I'm done with it. It doesn't interest me anymore. So that that's bad enough for me. Plus I also figured this is you're on Sifi. You're on, you're on Sifi and you're doing a show that is entirely about geek culture. Why didn't you try to change and push the format and make it more interactive slash online slash anything except for you standing in front of a TV screen in a suit, making awkward jokes. That's kind of like how, how uh, at midnight's doing it. You mean? Yeah, yeah. At midnight is actually a great show. I I need to start setting that up to be recorded because that is a new media show. And I'm I was just a little disappointed to see that this was kind of just your standard standard uh, talking head show. Uh, the other thing that just killed it for me is, and I called it a laugh track, and you immediately told me that it's not a laugh track. It's filmed in front of a live audience. No, it's not a laugh track, but there's also a thing called sound mixing. The laughs are way too loud. You can focus on one or two people on on both episodes I listened to where there was just one guy that was always like, mediocre joke. Ha, 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 ha. And I was just, I can't watch. I cannot watch it. Crank it way the hell down. It's way too up in the mix. It sounds like a laugh track. It sounds like I'm being told you should be laughing at this because it's funny, and I'm just sitting there going, "Mm, no. 
that wasn't that funny. Okay, but fair enough. Fair point, enough. Points enough for doing it. I, I'm. I probably will not watch it again if anything gets viral and pops up out there about. Did you see this clip on the? Which, by the way, there was one. The the Brady Bunch uh, Game of Thrones thing was awesome. That, that was pretty good. I got that. Yep, was fucking funny. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I really enjoyed that. So I will watch. Like I watch a lot of shows. I will watch the clips that the public deems good enough to watch. I will not watch the show, but I definitely I'm happy that something out there like this exists. Okay. You will wait for the nerd worthy. Exactly. Speaking of nerds, mm-hmm. uh, Nerdist Podcast, episode 538 with Greg Barrent. It's a, li- it's a couple weeks old, but for some reason, when I put Downcast back on, it synced a bunch of old podcasts that I stopped listening to, and Nerdist was one of them. I haven't listened to Nerdist in ages, which is, again, it's one of those weird things about there's just too much out there. I love that podcast. I just yeah, never get around to listening to it. I, I flipped through the episode list to see who was on, and it's like Morgan Freeman, Tom Cruise, Anthony Bourdain. Yeah, he's and, like, he's getting total A-list celebrities now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it was fantastic. I'm, I went listened to the Tom Cruise one this morning. It was, uh, it was awesome. <laughs> I loved it. It's just, yeah, sometimes you get these runs of mediocre people that you never heard of that are just, you know, uh, C-grade writers on shows and stuff. But Greg Barrett. I knew from ages ago from Andy Preboy's White Trash Wins Lotto. Right. And it was great to see him on the show. And I'm like, oh, cool. Greg's on. So I, I got it and I listened to it. And it was a fantastic episode. Highly recommended. Cool. I'll have to give it a listen. I, I do miss the, uh, the White Trash Wins Lotto. That was some good stuff. Yeah. We'll, put, we'll be putting that video in the show notes. It was uh, – he plays the DJ at the beginning. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I picked up something this week for my podcast, um, the iHome Bluetooth rechargeable mini speaker cube in an effort to keep my phone from being under my pillow all night and waking up in the morning and trying to find where it is and it's inevitably stuck to a butt cheek or something. <laughs> um, it was like 25 bucks. I picked it up at Target. Amazing sound. Amazing for this little tiny cube, rechargeable batteries. Really? I mean, I'm, I am, I played it for my roommate and he's like, holy shit, that, that much is coming out of that? <laughs> And iHome has a has a pretty good history of making good accessories. I have been a fan of iHome since they started. They're they're a great company. I've I've had two or three of their travel uh, things over the years, and I've always had a um, one of the iPhone plug-in alarm clocks. Always, uh, they're great stuff. Yeah, I, I was originally looking because I've got an old iPhone four with the you know the old thirty pin connector, and I'm like, oh cool, I can get something old that's cheap now. You know? Yeah. Surprisingly, no. <laughs> they're all still expensive. All what they're saying now is, oh, just get the little adapter, lightning right. adapter. Yeah. So they're still selling for you know over a hundred bucks for a lot of them. So I'm just like, ah, screw it, I'll get this cheap thing, which really is going to work out because my dad has an old car with just a CD player and no inputs, <laughs> and I've been trying to figure out. I've been burning audio discs for him forever of like cool audio stuff that I find. Right but now, I'm just going to get him one of these and Velcro it to the dashboard <laughs> and. He's already got an iPhone like 5C, so now he can just Bluetooth to it and no more no more CDs. I'm, I'm so excited. Total ghetto tech. Yep, but, <laughs> but Bluetooth ghetto tech. <laughs> I don't know. I like it. I, and just check it out. If, if you're looking for one of those little portable speakers, this thing is fantastic. Like I said, sound quality is excellent. I just throw it on, on the other side of my mattress when I go to bed at night and put a timer on and boom. <laughs> Very cool. I'm going to have to check it out. So mm-hmm. in, in, the, in the media side of things now, uh-huh. North Korea calls new Seth Rogen film, The Interview, an act of war. <laughs> what Again, the hell? An act of war with who? Us. I'll, I'll, no. Hollywood. Look. North not, Korea versus Hollywood look, now. Most of us don't like Seth Rogen. 
Get in a war with him. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, you, you can I, have him. I don't, I don't want anything to do with him. He was funny when he first started, and now it's just the same fucking stoner jokes over and over again. Yep. So no, thank you. I, I, saw, I saw the clip. It was reasonably kind of sort of funny, but not really. And uh, yeah. there you go. I was going to try and get uh, my buddy Jordan Harbinger on here who goes to North Korea. And when I sent it to him, he's like, ooh, that's bad. <laughs> and then he was like – and by bad, I mean Seth Rogen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, whatever. Non-story. Whatever. Seth speaking Rogen's of non- not funny. <laughs> I was going to say speaking of non-stories, okay. this just came out today and I, I just had to put it in because it was so ridiculous. Binge-watching TV may be linked to premature, linked to premature death and in parentheses, study. So, this is going to be a case of using statistics to prove anything you want, right? No, this is what we call clickbait. Oh, okay. <laughs> because if there is a question in the title or like, does binge watching TV link to premature death? You won't believe one, the answer. This one says binge watching TV may be linked. And at the last part of the article, it says, though the study did not find a link between the time people spent performing other sedentary activities and the risk of premature death, the particular mechanism behind the relationship between TV watching and a person's risk of premature death was not determined. This is like, uh, okay, you just made me read a goddamn article to tell me that your article means nothing. What do you absolutely nothing? What do you tell me every time I bring up one of these stories and have a rant? Don't click on it. Yeah, <laughs> I am. Sur- I, I mean, the Hollywood Reporter is now stumbling down to these depths. I, that, that's a Huffington Post gambit. I can't. The Hollywood Report. The Hollywood Reporter gets enough money. They don't need to do that. It is one of the most expensive magazines to subscribe to exactly. in Los Angeles. It, it's a total industry mag, and they know it, and they sell it, and everybody that has zillions of dollars in this town gets it, and they don't need the money. So why clickbait, you jerks? I know. I used to. I used to get it every day, and it was a fun read. But with crap like that, yeah. moron of the week. An exact immediate turnaround. I'm going to talk about a link that you'll tell me I should, never should have clicked on in the first place as well. Um, <laughs> you read my mind. In the in the uh, uh, yesterday morning was a big morning for me. Germany played the U.S. These are my two countries, and I love Germany. And World Cup's been going crazy, and Germany passed through to the next round, and the U.S. also made it much thanks to Portugal winning their game. So I was on a World Cup high when I came home. I was like, this is unbelievable. I can't believe this is all happening. This is so exciting. And I come home, and I'm about to start doing some work and trending topic and Coulter. Well, problem right there. <laughs> yeah. Right there, you should have we, we all know that anything that comes out of Ann Coulter's mouth is complete load of shit. That is basically she probably doesn't even believe. She's just made a nice career out of telling stupid people stupid things. Um, any growing interest in soccer is a sign of nation's moral decay. And then I went on to read the article, mistake number two. There's, there's um, a second mistake. Got super pissed off and uh, got really annoyed. And I just want to say that uh, first off, you you are scum of the earth and not just for this story. There's been far worse ones. This one just happens to pick on soccer. Uh, secondly, um, every single person in this country came from a soccer playing nation. Unless you happen to be, uh, one of the people that we killed or displaced, uh, you too, Ann Coulter, your, your progeny or your, your ancestry were soccer players. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> she is a professional troll. Yes. That's all is. she is. So if you see her name, Please don't put it in the show notes anymore. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, the one thing that I did enjoy about this is even people, even Americans who are, don't like soccer and like to scream loudly once every four years when, when some of us who do really start to enjoy it about how much soccer sucks, we're like, screw you, Ann. <laughs> so, yeah. So that was nice. Um, and then, I, I got to say on, the, on the, the World Cup thing, yeah. 
I, I don't know why this came to me the other day when I was I was watching commercials and so that that there's that song Ole 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 right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why doesn't Yo Play have a commercial? Come on, Yo Play, Yo Play. You know, I'm just saying for the yogurt fans who like football. Yeah, we can we can try to sell that. <laughs> Feel free to edit that part out. <laughs> yeah, <next>. No way. <laughs> that stays in. Uh, this morning, I just saw another thing that definitely go, deserves to go into this category. Um, I have. I don't. I don't have an issue with with anything that anybody decides to do for a living. Uh, and if you want to make your living telling other people how to live their lives because you found some magical elixir that uh, makes makes your personal approach to life the best one and can you know save other people and you are convincing enough to get people to pay you money to listen to you talk about your bullshit, good on you. That's fine. No problem with that. I do have a problem if you're hypocritical about it, and that's not the way you actually live your life. Christian motivational speaker. (laughs) Motivational? Take 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 that one from the top. (laughs) Yeah, Christian motivational speaker who says, Dateable girls know how to shut up, arrested for public intoxication. Apparently, he couldn't make it to one of his speaking engagements because he was in jail, uh, because he was way drunk in public. Not that there's necessarily anything wrong with being drunk in public, but if Justin Lukadu, and that is his name... (laughs) (laughs) And you should see the photo of him. uh, Link in the show notes. Um, This guy scares the crap out of me. Kind of looks like a drunk homeless version of the Prodigy Firestarter guy. Yeah, it kind of does. Yeah. So this guy is a motivational speaker who makes a living telling teenagers how they should be living their lives was uh, arrested for public intoxication and vomiting. Good on you. Sweet. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even going to follow up with that one. It says everything there is covered. That's, That's all you need. And Dr. Oz, you can get one more honorable mention in this category, too. Are you kidding me? It's inevitable that something that is uh, crowdfunded ends up in the Are You Shitting Me category. And uh, I found a doozy of one yesterday. The O-Phone. Harvard scientists are creating the first scent-based mobile messaging platform. So you can send farts, smells. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. Remember remember back in the early days of the internet where I think it was Sound Blaster yes. came out came out with a scent card they that you did. could put in your PC. And nobody cared. Nobody cared. There's two things I don't want my computer to do. Make noise when I tell it not to. Or smell. And smell like anything other than a computer. Yes. So, so And especially on a phone. What did huh? Yes, there's there's a lot of lovely photos of people sitting in front of a large contraption, by the way, which does not look like you could – you'd have to lug this thing. It looks like about the size of a briefcase. So it's not exactly <laughs> like it's a, you can attach this to your phone and walk around. But I guess that's why they're asking for $150,000 to maybe make it smaller. Thank God they've so far only raised 20000 I don't think this one's going to make its goal. I hope it doesn't. <laughs> but there is flexible funding options. Oh, great. Yeah, I'll pass on this one. Yeah, I'm going to send them a stink. Keep your stank to yourself. And, uh, <laughs> yes. And uh, finally, I just had, did had one little item that I liked. Um, I was actually watching Top Gear the other day, one of the old uh, old ones, where they they constructed a, or they constructed a road that would play the Top Gear theme song when you drove over it, because music is all harmonic frequencies, so if you drive over things at certain speeds and you spread out bumps over time, it will make melody. Um I did not know that Japan has a network of roads that play music as you drive over them. It's quite a cool, actually. So there's a link <laughs> in our show notes. Unfortunately, all the music is J-pop, and it doesn't sound very good. 
Well, if you like J-pop, you're in business. <laughs> I like in the article how it says if you go too slow, then it just kind of makes you nauseous. So that would <laughs> that would really kind of suck in traffic. Yes, it would. Everybody's just barfing in their cars. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I There was one time when I was in Silver Lake looking over the 101 freeway, mm-hmm. and we were having an X-Files party at my friend's house in a barbecue. Mm-hmm. And I just had this conspiracy theory. I'm like, oh, my God, what if you know we could put subliminal messages in the roadway? And have it have it work like these guys driving on the things. I just I don't know why I thought of that when you brought this up, but you know that was my X Files days, I guess. When you know I wanted to believe. Go but. back to Kansas. Go <laughs> back to Kansas. Okay, I don't know why I brought that up, but it was fun. Closing shoutouts. Uh, I'm going to give my shout out uh, this week to Carl Wallinger, uh, also known as World Party, who I'm off to go see play tonight at the Troubadour in Los Angeles. Um, he is sincerely the most talented uh, musician i've ever met in my entire life he's got some really catchy great songs and uh, he's also got a new album out um so go get it go listen to some world party on the tube of the u or the spotify or whatever you use um god love carl can't wait to hang out with him tonight so world party shout out of the week wasn't he uh, supposed to be on our show? He would like to be on our show. It's a question of uh, catching him when he isn't in an altered state, which is proving to be difficult. <laughs> when has that ever stopped us before? Well, there's a slightly different version of altered state that Carl prefers, and then he usually ends up talking about Star Trek for three hours, which actually would work for our show. I think it might. <laughs> uh, I want to throw a shout out to uh, Shane Nickerson, a previous guest on the show. The, the Hollywood Reporter, who we mentioned before, mm-hmm. um, has a link that Rob Deerdeck has inked a multi-year deal with MTV, and they're bringing back Fantasy Factory. Nice. Yeah. So Shane's a, yeah, Shane's an executive producer on that show, so I'm glad to have Fantasy Factory back. I, I really actually enjoy that show. <laughs> and they've got some kind of new snack show coming out, too. But it also means that uh, ridiculousness will be out there for a little longer. As far as, you know, those show a YouTube funny video, get a laugh type of thing, yeah. I, I, can, I like this show. All it's, right. It's fun. You know, I, I, I TiVo it, and when I, when I need some popcorn, I pop it on, and I get a couple good laughs and see some videos that I haven't actually seen before. <laughs> so good on you, Shane. Keep going. Congrats, man. Uh, so I do want to say my tea of the day mm-hmm. came from uh, Tim Ferriss's quarterly box, which I talked about on the last episode. This is from Breakaway Matcha, and it's a cold brew green matcha. So good. It is so good. Highly recommended if you like the teas. I will have to try that out. I am drinking my standard ginger pour. Pure. Pure. <laughs> uh, so this is actually the start of my booze sabbatical for the summer. So. You are a brave man doing it. I, I know you're not a huge World Cup fan, but but we're entering into the round of 16, then the quarters, and then the semis, and then the final. And I, I can't even possibly imagine that until after the final i watch uh world cup home alone so <laughs> it's probably a good thing that i'm not sitting here going oh, oh. man i got a drink for this man you're <laughs> you're you're in chicago you should go out to the the park that is just crazy for the u.s games i'd totally be there you have we met i i'm this guy that doesn't like people i don't like being outdoors because there are bugs and i don't like to sweat so all three of those <laughs> combined mm. in one festive <laughs> event just shove like some needles in my eyes. That's it. All right. Well, good luck on the booze sabbatical. I, I, I will toast. I will toast one. I will pour one out for my absent homie during the final. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's a good thing. I've, I've noticed as I get older that booze affects my speech. Not not like slurring, you know, to the point where I know a word. I visualize a word in my head, but it doesn't come out of my <laughs> mouth. 
And that's like after just like half a sip of wine. Jason, I hate to break it to you, but that happened to you back then too. <laughs> you just drink so much that you don't remember. Oh, okay. That could be it. Yeah. That could be it. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. that's it for this week. That's it for this week. <laughs> Righteous in a voice, you're the boss. Make me scream aloud. Got to make a choice, you're the sauce. Keep up with us at GrumpyOldGeeks.com, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash GrumpyOldGeeks, on Twitter, we're at Twitter.com slash GOG Podcast, or simply email us at podcast at GrumpyOldGeeks.com. Show notes for this episode can be found at GrumpyOldGeeks.com slash 64. Yo. Okay, last one to kill a bad guy buys the beer. We're driving to Florida.